Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 65 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 20th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the drops been for you? They've been pretty good. Something monumental happened, and I just got to, if I share, I, I need assurances I won't be made fun of. I've, I'm not even going to wait for him. I'm not even going to wait for him. It's unrealistic. Unrealistic. So I may or may not have cleared the raid for the first time this week. So, yay. Congratulations. The new raid. The new raid. The new not, raid. Not, not the, the new raid. Class. Not a raid. Not any raid. Yeah, I've done the other ones. It's just <laughs> been uh, since Rise of Iron, um, life has been a bit of a bee. So it's been a little rough. But, but I did get to kill Spider-Man in his lair. So that was nice. So. A plus? Yeah, I got a scout rifle. I got a scout rifle. I won't oh, tell you the oh. rules because apparently they're all the same. <laughs> apparently they're all. Oh. No, yours is yours is yours is special. This is my rifle. Yes. Oh man. Well, we also have with us Mel. Mel, how have things been for you? Been okay. Uh, I actually finished up my. Um, that new exotic, which just is now escaping the tip of my tongue. Gosh, dang it. Outbreak Prime. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that has been sitting in my my list of things to do on the Destiny for a while. Mm-hmm. And we all happen to be on. We're like, yeah, let's go do that last step of the thing. We have to go kill the a raid boss three times in a row. So we did that. And then we got it and did the math thing, which was so stupid. Mel um, <laughs> no likes Really? Numbers. Okay. 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 Anyone who, if anyone's listening, who did the math puzzle on the Outbreak Prime mission, you need to reevaluate things. That's all I'm going to say. I just, <laughs> I don't want to math when I'm playing video games. Okay. Like, tell me to go kill like 20 things or do this in the Crucible. That's, that's fine. But don't sit there and make me sit there for 45 minutes and try to math. And clock no. Cartesian coordinates. <sighs> she was mad. She couldn't find the protractor, and the abacus was broken, yeah. and it just wasn't yeah. the time. Yeah, and I'm actually pretty good at math. I just didn't want to do it. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you? She, re- she blank and serious. I I literally handed my controller and my phone to my boyfriend and said, "Do this for me." And I went and did something else because I, I went and played <laughs> another video game that did not require me to math. Yeah, I heard, next, I heard Destiny Two. They're just gonna have you uh, make prepositional phrases. <laughs> oh my god! It's gonna be amazing. I'm just gonna stop you right there with a big nope. <laughs> You are uh, we the did reason play the little, city falls. You couldn't. We you didn't, build, a it, you didn't build the tower right. Yeah, I know. We did play a little SR. I discovered the hate that the personally experienced the massive amount of hate for that forklift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was in that map. I didn't know where. So the very first time I'm playing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, look at me, I'm going. I'm like second or third place. Tums around the corner, kunk, right into the thing. I'm like. Explosive, explosive, explosive. <laughs> M- 
mother explicitive 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 throws down the controller actually not i didn't actually throw the controller but i was very upset by it so but um yeah it was snowy on the tower and that's all i have to say about that so and i went back to playing the witcher (laughs) where there is no maths that come out of nowhere there is no maths there is just a very sexy witcher and a lot of potential candidates for my witcher Geralt to go hey lady what's up oh so you want to see my sword for yeah yeah um, (laughs) so Mel's into older dudes apparently (laughs) no it's just experienced gentlemen okay not (laughs) experienced gentlemen (laughs) and on that note (laughs) (laughs) okay so before we go to any further down that that uh particular rabbit hole um the topic is closed (laughs) so the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the vehicles that our guardians use to explore this amazing universe before we get into that however i do have a few housekeeping notes in our last chat we took a look at the weapons of our enemies if you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats as well as links to all our various other pages if you don't mind please give us some feedback on itunes to let us know how we're doing As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, usually we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Note that due to the holiday schedules, this week we're getting together a bit earlier. Hope hope everyone has a great few weeks ahead. We'll plan on seeing everyone on the normal Friday night schedule starting back up next week on the 30th. So please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, which is the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the House of Devils. With that, let's go ahead and look at what information we have about those awesome vehicles our Guardians ride. Thankfully, thankfully, I was able to augment a portion of Lorebot into the show to help us out. Query Grimoire Database Results found. Displaying on screen. Which screen are they on, Lorebot? Which one? <laughs> Dustin's. They are on Dustin's. <laughs> so, I, that was awesome, Lorebot. I've named Lorebot Randy, but that's between me and Lorebot. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've actually got Sparrow, which is... Uh, one it's the only it's the only uh guardian vehicle we actually get to like actually pilot is that correct the only uh, guardian vehicle guardi- yes. the only guardian vehicle we actually get to pilot because mm-hmm. we don't get to do anything with our ships but look at them but but they're pretty the sparrow yeah they are they are pretty cool looking they're the pretty. shortest distance between two points is full throttle that is the tagline from the new Fast and the Furious movie. Um, 
The Sparrow. Sparrow is a single passenger, all-terrain thrust back with one purpose. Moving from objective to objective with unmatched speed. Quick. Quiet. It's simple to transmat. Sparrows enjoy surpassing popularity among her guardians working in the field. Okay, for the record, Justin, you probably should explain where that came from. Okay, for everyone okay, who just, wasn't just here for second, the pre-show. Okay, I watched Interstellar the other night. It was amazing. Um, so just just a little background. My Matthew McConaughey is also my Bill Clinton. <laughs> Are you driving an old mobile? <laughs> Justin, this is the best Christmas gift I'm ever going to get this year. You're welcome. <laughs> the voice of I, I don't know if someone's already used this one, but I named my Sparrow Captain Jack a long time ago. Is it Captain Jack? Sparrow. Sparrow? Oh, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're done. You're the worst. You're done. I'm done. That's my, that's my one card. That's my one card. It was good. It's false. You, See you, you next help, year. You, you you have See more you next year. Cards. <laughs> Actually, no, that's incorrect because we have another we have another show between now and the end of the year. So Thank you, I'm, Mel. I'm Thank saying. you. Yeah, yeah. Blue t- Blue tells me about these things day of. Mm-hmm. Just, just move it along, Justin. Justin, <laughs> we have a schedule. Let's. It's a schedule. It's a, it's a schedule, <laughs> and it happens consistently at a certain day and time every week. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Not affected yep. by time. <laughs> Let's move on. So, all right. <laughs> all right. First, first thing to take out of this card <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. Go Justin's okay, bad cool. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, my God. All right. So, <laughs> so. Remove that promptly, please, Blue. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, an intriguing piece of trivia is that we actually, uh, when we when we got the Sparrows, Sparrows, well, I'll, I'll be talking about. A really kind of interesting common theme with the vehicles after we get done with the jump ships. But the the part about the Sparrow that I wanted to bring up is that originally in, I believe it was the Beta, it might have been the Alpha, Sparrows were actually called um, Shrikes. The interesting thing about that is that both a Sparrow and a Shrike are both small birds. Um, so they didn't really, and if I remember, excuse me. If I remember, there's actually a Shrike Sparrow. So, uh, <clears throat> that, that to me was a it was it was an intriguing little twist that they changed it to a Sparrow because a Sparrow is actually a more passive bird than a Shrike. Um, so it was it was it was kind of interesting. So maybe maybe that actually kind of in the back of my mind makes me hopeful that we will get a Shrike that has guns on it, but. I don't know how accurate that is. That's just my my Christmas wish. Um, yeah, shri- shrikes are like carnivorous, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Uh, we kind of talked about this at the end of the chat on Monday, but shrikes are actually really intelligent birds. Um, they're not. They're not up on the same level as a crow or a raven, but. They are pretty intelligent, and they are actually one of the few bird species 
there are one of the few bird species that actually utilizes uh, thorns, like um, pet, uh, plant thorns, to impale animals on it and then eat the animals from being impaled. And the reason why they do this is one of their preferred prey is a type of grasshopper, which is actually poisonous. And so they impale the grasshopper on the thorn and then just wait for the poison to filter out of the, the, cause it's still kind of alive and they just wait for the poison to filter out and then eat the grasshopper. It's, it's a really interesting thing, but they, they will actually take their prey and impale them on these thorns and then basically rip them apart because they're, they're a small bird but their prey, I mean, they'll eat they'll eat small lizards and small snakes and, you know, different things. And so they're bigger than the shrike. And yeah, it's they're pretty they're pretty brutal. And sparrows, officially Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say the Shrike is officially the bird of twenty sixteen. <laughs> that's that's what you just described. Yeah, yeah. So um, <clears throat> whereas a sparrow, I mean a sparrow can can be you know, very territorial and very somewhat fierce, but they are not by any means the carnivorous predator that a shrike is, which is really weird because if you look at a shrike and a sparrow, they actually are about, if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, and I might be not, but I think if I remember this, they are about the same size. So, and both of them are small and they're both very quick. They're very, uh, usually very quiet. Um, shrikes, <clears throat> trying to remember i think shrikes are called i think the shrike is the one that has the nickname butcher bird but i'll have to check yes you are correct is that, you are okay. correct so uh-huh. so a sparrow is actually okay so if that's right that actually jogs my memory a bit more on the sizing <clears throat> shrikes are about medium medium small to medium and a sparrow usually is a smaller bird so a shrike is actually a little bit bigger but yeah like i said their their nickname is butcher bird so that's what I say is when I'm when I'm thinking of a shrike, I would think of a sparrow, but with a gun attached to it or something offensive attached to it, not the kind of passive vehicle that we know as a sparrow. So um, the only other thing here is the fact <clears throat> that it's specifically called out that um, they are quick and simple to transmat. Um, that is an important, that is an important distinction for sparrows. And it actually explains why guardians use them so heavily in the field because they can transmat them in and out of a situation very quickly. As we all know, playing the game, you can, you can summon your sparrow in just about any situation. So I think that's, that's all I have right now for the sparrow you guys i think we have one other card for the sparrow racing card yep. right okay perfect yeah sparrow racing card okay so this is the slr or sparrow racing and this is a quote from amanda holiday some of the best guardians are racers people like marcus wren have made their legends on the track end of quote Ever since the proliferation of the sparrow, racing is a long-standing tradition among guardians. But only in recent years have the races moved from an underground attraction to an organized sport. Under the direction of the SLR, Red Jacks, and Guardians clear hostile zones and mark the race courses. Residents of the tower and the city eagerly wait for the news of the spot the fellow uh, and follow the exploits of their fellow racers. 
they don't clear they don't clear them all the way do they no uh they do not and (laughs) there is there is a reason that they do that they do that under the direction of shacks actually um because there is a bounty i can't remember which one it is but it explains that shacks actually or no it's a one of the new I think it's one of the ghost fragments for the tracks. Shacks is actually described as specifically ordering the Red Jacks and the Guardians to not eradicate all the enemies because he wants to challenge the Guardians who are racing. Um, the other thing is, if you look on the Class S license, you actually you actually hear about a couple of these legendary racers. Uh, this is a this is a quest. It's the SRL Class S license, and this is basically you just have to earn your Class S license basically by winning and finishing races without losing your Sparrow, which you know some people might find more difficult than others. Justin, I know, has a special yeah, love. My, yeah, my license was revoked. <laughs> so the quote here is from Amanda Holiday. And she says, there are legends in the SRL, Marcus Wren, Kron 8, and Ty- or Tyla Sola, races, racers who are so skilled and so fearless that they stand apart from the pack. Now you've made your mark on the track, Guardian. So we actually learn, uh, we, we hear about a couple of these legendary uh, racers. The only one that we actually have more information on currently is Marcus Wren. Uh, and this is predominantly through a number of quests and the predominant, I think it's the overtaker armor and the threader armor. Um, and both of these go to, well, oh yeah, frosties, the frosty five, uh, boots. Um, if you read, I believe it's the overtaker. It might not be, hang on. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I can't remember. There's there's one set of armor that actually kind of points to the possibility that Marcus is no longer living. Um, and I want to say that might actually be the momentum armor. I talked about it. We or we talked about it briefly when I was on the Destiny lore cast episode. <clears throat> and uh, it was it was an interesting, interesting conversation, because if you read the flavor text altogether of the, I think it was the momentum armor. Uh, it kind of actually indicates that the individual wearing the armor did not survive. Uh, but in the connection there is that that armor was also kind of hinted at, at being Marcus Wren's armor. So there's a, there's a possibility that Wren is actually dead. Um, but like I said, the predominant thing that we know about Wren was that he was a very aggressive racer. Uh, he, he, loved running things over as much as he loved racing and he was not shy about pushing people off the track even if it cost him a couple broken bones so and so needless to say srl is not a gentle sport as anyone who is currently playing can probably probably attest to Mm -hmm. so and that's that's Pretty much for the sparrow race. I mean, for the sparrow racing, we we definitely could probably do an entire. We could probably do that entire episode on a sparrow racing episode. Um, There's a lot of stuff quotes from Marcus Wren mm-hmm. to cover the sparrow racing. And right, stuff, right. But, well, in the yeah. his like the history of the sparrow racing is mm-hmm. it's yeah, some cool 
Jaron Ward stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say there. It it's tied into the vehicle slightly, but it's actually even more. Uh, we actually have one of our one of our emails is uh, actually going to talk about that a little bit. So, but yeah. So um, every time I think about how the actual citizens are get super excited for Sparrow Race, and I'm like. <laughs> Is this like their NASCAR? Yeah, Are you yeah. like super NASCAR nerds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's like their American football and NASCAR rolled into one. Yeah, I was know? about to say it's actually it seems to be more of like a death race type situation. Yeah. Um and but and, Guardians can't really die though. Well, but that's that's like, what I was about to qualify it is, and it's actually made more interesting because Guardians can't die. So it's pod like, race. I'd say pod race. Yeah, that's how I always describe it as pod race yeah. or Mario Kart. This is true. Zach actually calls it pod racing. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll play some pod racing. I'm like, it's sparrow racing. No, it's totally pod <laughs> no racing. Pods. Man. It's just pointy sparrows. It's totally pointy the N sixty four pod racing in Destiny. <laughs> There's oh, no, what was there's that no, game? There's no Sebulba, though, so you don't have to worry about that or the Tusken Raiders. What was the N64 Star Wars games? Was it Shadows of the Empire, where you actually... I, I couldn't remember if you pod raced. No, they, they had a pod race. racer game. They had they had yeah, a separate yeah. pod racer. Uh, Shadows of the Empire, you didn't pod race. I think you had a speeder bike in one Yeah, mission. I think that's correct. But uh, no, they, they actually had an entire game for pod racing, and I absolutely loved that game. So when they when I first got into Sparrow Racing, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm not, really big, not a really big racer. Mario okay. Kart's the only racing game I like. So basically, if we gave you blue turtle shells, you would be okay with mm-hmm. SRL? Yeah, it'd be all right. Okay, okay. And just, better, just, and just checking, track. just checking. But you still wouldn't win even if you had blue turtle mm-hmm. shells, Justin. And and if at any point I could go really fast and the music could sound like that 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 don't actually yeah, like I'll change do. anything. Just make just if give them different If that song played music. all day, I, I would be running a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> I would go insane. No, no, I, I would get, murder I would people. Do work. I would do work all day. Now, now I have a mental image of Justin with the uh, the Hammer Bros hammer. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! No. And I'm Photoshop. It would be a different music. Okay, let's move on from NES. Um, so, so moving on from the sparrows, I think we can talk about some ships now, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So, our guardian ships. Um, it is not enough to defend the city. We must reclaim the stars. <laughs> a rare and precious commodity. The jump ships utilized by Guardians are cobbled together from the salvaged wreckage of interplanetary ships built long ago. Only in recent years have the tower's shipwrights been working to build new hulls from the keel up. The city's factions are also keen to develop flight capability. Whether through salvage or their own shipbuilding projects, today it falls upon each individual Guardian to find and maintain their own craft. Those skilled enough to acquire a ship with off-world capabilities 
join the front line in a long war to retake what is ours. Yes. Oh, man. And so, yeah, go for it, Justin. Yeah, no, once I, no, once I, I get just, started on this, I'm not going to stop. No, no, it's it's cool. I, I was just going to say the uh, the part about the city's factions mm-hmm. um, being keen to develop their own flight capability. Um, I just pictured Dead Orbit just building like a giant arc <laughs> that they're going to try to fill at some point and just peace out, be I, gone. I wouldn't put it past them. Um I mean, so, uh, so uh, on that note with Dead Orbit, I mean, the cool the thing about Dead Orbit is, yes, they want to leave the city. But the other thing is they don't, Dead Orbit doesn't want to abandon the city. They want to abandon the physical location of the city to a degree. But the whole point of Dead Orbit is that they want to decentralize the human presence. Uh, They don't want to hold humanity in a singular place because if something were to happen and, you know, the city were to be wiped out, if they only have the one city, then that's all it takes. Then, you know, Mm -hmm. they're gone. And so Dead Orbit, but at the same time, Dead Orbit has also got points. And I think uh, Jalal even says this a couple in a couple different quests, if I remember this correctly. Uh, he he actually comments on they don't they want to leave they want to leave but they can't because they're beholden to the city and they they want to stay they don't want to leave people behind so they want to make sure that you know they want to make sure that humanity survives so yes dead orbit is completely okay with leaving but not at the cost of just cutting and running they actually want to. They want everyone to come with them and, you know, in a fashion that would allow for the survival of the species. That's why they're fascinated with, like, the Endling, which we kind of talked about in the human episode. You know, that that concept of the Endling is a very nightmarish situation for them. So, um, but actually speaking about the factions and speaking about jet, or jump ships, if you guys get a chance... I would strongly recommend checking out this week's mind map. Uh, I'm going to give it just an early shout out to green eyed because she helped keep me sane by uh, helping me link all the ships. I think at this moment we have every single jump ship that's in the game and some that are not in the game. So if there was a ship within the data pools that are not present in the game, we went ahead and tossed them in there Um, now the, the interesting thing with those is that obviously they are not in the game. So I'm on the fence, whether or not they, the flavor text is able to be admissible. Um, but there is some really, really cool flavor text in some of the data pools, especially in the legendary ships. There's a, there's a significant portion of ships that we, that we mapped out, um, legendary ships, they were a lot. I think we have, like I said, I think we have every single ship. And there's there's a bit of a design system that was really, really intriguing that actually came out of this whole putting everything together. So what we did was with the ships, we, we segregated them by classifications. Uh, so that's, you know, common, uncommon, rare, legendary. And there was actually even an exotic ship. It's not in the game, 
but it is does exist in the database. Um, so all those, then we went further and in the predominant and the majority of them, with the exception of the legendary, uh, these were all identified as belonging to specific classes. And then we also segregated out uh, the schematics, which are the, the basically the ingrams, ingrams, if you will, of the individual ships. Now, I'm going to get into that just a little bit because there's actually kind of a problem with some of these schematics. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. The classes, okay, and then in the legendary, sorry, before I start on the classes, the legendary actually we we split them out with regards to unique ships, ships that we get through the raid, and then the faction-specific ships. Um, now, this is not just the three main factions. I went ahead and I segregated out the Crucible ships, the Trials of Osiris ships, Prison of Elders, the Reef, and the Vanguard Strikes. Um, so all of these ships, if you kind of know where the ship lies, where you can get it from, these are pretty much the data table or the uh, loot drop tables that these ships pull from, as best as I can tell. Now, obviously, there might be something that I misplaced. If there is, please feel free to, to message me either on Discord or email us at our email and I will get it corrected because I want to make sure that this is actually pretty accurate because it's a really useful tool. Um, now, the thing that you'll notice very kind of quickly is with the common, the uncommon, and the rare ships, there's actually a progression. Uh, one of the biggest things that I hear a lot of times when I talk to people about jump ships is all the ships look the same. You know, they're different colors, but that's it. They're all the same model. And and outside of the system, you know, or outside of the game, yeah, there's a, there's a limit to the number of model frames that they can put into the, or they have time to create. However, the way that they actually explain this in-game lore is very, I think, really ingenious. There are three basic classes. Um, now, there are, there are ships that fall outside the classes. Uh, our starting ship, the Arcadia class, is actually one of those. There is no progression for the Arcadia class ship. Uh, that I can find. However, at the common level, you have you have three basic classes. You have the Keystrel, the Regulus, and the Phaeton. Now, the the really cool thing here is this is what I was talking about with the Sparrow. These are all types of birds. So, Sparrow, Keystrel, Regulus, and Phaeton are all types of birds. Uh, Sparrow is a specific type of bird. Um, a Keystrel is actually a specific type of bird. Uh, usually it is within the genus Falco, uh, but it is an actual specific group. Regulus. Regulus is is a genus. It's actually a genus of birds. It's Latin for petty king or prince, and it is just a, a general genus. Same with Phaeton. Phaeton is actually a genus of I believe it is tropic birds. Um, there are actually only three species in the Phaeton, and there's there's some interesting physical characteristics of the Phaeton genus. But Phaeton actually is ancient Greek for sun. Um, they, if you remember when we did the Rasputin episode, I spoke a little bit about the Greek mythology of the sun, sun of Helios. Phaeton is actually the name for a number of individuals within the Greek mythology, 
he is one of them. Son of Helios is a is known as Phaeton. Uh, he's also there's also a presentation of a personification of Jupiter who is known as Phaeton. Um, there is actually a astronomical hypothetical fifth planet that or that orbited between Jupiter and Mars, which actually was destroyed and created the asteroid belt in in reality. And that is in the game where the Awoken are. Um, and so there's there's a really kind of cool history in all these names. The other the other thing, so going from that, there is a progression, like I was saying. So in our that's our common class. So we have the Arcadia, the Keystrol, the Regulus, and the Phaeton classes. In the uncommon level, we have three new classes. We have the Spindle Demon, the Cloud Errant, and the Javelin. Now, that sounds like, okay, so we got three new classes. Well, the thing is, is if you actually look at these classes, the Cloud Errant is actually a refurbished Regulus. The Spindle Demon is a refurbished Keystrol. And the Javelin is a refurbished variant, or no, the Spindle Demon is experimental variant of the Keystrol. And the javelin is a refurbished phaeton. So, okay, wait. That means that these actually are going to look similar because they are. The spindle demon is going to look like a keystrel class because the only thing that's really been changed is actually the inner workings. There's not actually anything built on to it too much. So it is going to be very close to a keystrel presentation. This also calls back to uh, or goes back to this guardianship grimoire card where it is basically they basically explain this. They say in the first sentence, the jump ships utilized by guardians are cobbled together from the salvaged wreckage of interplanetary ships built long ago. And it's only in recent years that the shipwrights have started kind of branching out, which I'm going to get to in here in a second, too. So, okay, so that's the uncommon. The rare level has three other classes. That's the Slipper Misfit, the High Water, and the Octavian classes. Now, there are, there are some unique ships in the rare classification that do not fall within these, class, these classes, really. But for the classes, the Slipper Misfit is described as an upgraded variant of the Keystrel class, the Octavian is the upgraded variant of a Phaeton class, and the High Water is actually the upgraded variant of a Regulus class. So again, you're going to have a very similar design because they are just fancier designed versions of these basic classes. And again, that makes sense. Because in the in this dystopian world that Destiny is set in, there are very limited resources and that's a very important thing to keep in mind. They don't have a lot. They don't, you know, we kind of talked about that with the fallen weapons, how it was very obvious that they are scavenged together and that, you know, it told a lot about their society that they didn't waste precious resources on making weapons. Well, we're kind of the same. We can't waste precious resources on ships, which is why in the guardianship card, it, it specifically calls that out as well. It says, today it falls upon each individual guardian to find and maintain their own craft. You find your ship, it's yours completely. You're responsible for it. You know, it's like, you know, it's basically the equivalent of a car here in America. 
It's like, yeah, good. You got a car. That's cool. It's, it's not in like the, the city's not going to take care of it for you. It's not something that you can rent from the city, which also kind of points to why with Osiris, it was such a big deal that he was sending all these ships out beyond the reef because they're, they're not common. You know, it's not even until recently that the, there has been enough resources to really even start exploring different model ships. Part of that is because it's not until recently that really it kind of seems that we've started finding these designs and these schematics for these unique ships. Now, the the large majority of unique ships are going to be in the legendary segment. There are, like I said, some some rare ships, um, and those really are not very many in rare. Uh, the rare ship, and I'm going to read these off in rare. I'm not going to read them off in legendary because we'd be here forever. Um, but the unique ships in the rare are Karuna Falling, Laughing Behind Your Back, Rope to Heaven, The Fangs of Nyx, and then the ships that are exclusive to PlayStation are the Aurora Lance, the Crypt Hammer, and the Outrageous Fortune. So we have, what, seven unique ships that are rare. All of these have schematics. And my argument here is that 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 spe- that specific comment about it's you know it's just recently that they've started kind of building new things from the from the cult or the keel up is because really it hasn't been until recently that the city really has had a comfort to to really kind of waste the resources on not just slapping together things and go, 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 go. They've actually had some time to kind of breathe and kind of, you know, think. Um, We actually see this with, I think it is one of, hang on real quick. It is, there is a unique ship that I am, it is escaping me actually. It's the Valkyrie 05X. Uh, This is a common ship. But it doesn't fall within the Arcadia class, the Keystroke class, the Phaeton class, or the Regulus class. And the reason why is that this is described as being an experimental design that Amanda Holiday is working on. The Valkyrie 05X is also only accessible if you bought the limited edition of Destiny. So have fun with that. Um, you're, you're not going to get it, basically, if you didn't do that. But the way that they get around it is, again, they kind of explain it. They say, okay, well, it's an experimental ship, and we don't know if it's going to work. But that didn't exist until a couple of years ago, which is why it's so special. Um, now, in Legendary, we actually, in the mind map, you'll, you'll notice this, we actually went away from the classes, and we actually kind of called out where you get them. Um, this is because, yes, the Legendary ships are predominantly built off, again, the same classes, but it's almost more important how you get the legendary ships than it is what they look like, uh, at least at least in most of our minds it was. Um, the unique ships, again, definitely check out the data pool segment. It's, there's a ton. Um, we also have a couple ships that are new, like the Once and Future, which is a hearkening back to the Once and Future King, um, the Timeless uh, Tereshkova, which is a nod to, I'm trying to remember what 
that was a nod to, but that is the PlayStation exclusive, which it actually looks really pretty. And then the Valkyrie 5 X, uh, Vienna Singer, which is the Lost Light special ship. And then you have a couple in the Sterling Treasures that you can only get. But, you know, we are talking about the faction. So, example, Dead Orbit. I'm just going to take this before Justin can jump in and talk about the Rainbow Death Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dead Orbit. You have the Fermi Solution, the Vacuum Diagram, and Condrodex Escape. All of these... The naming convention actually is really, really interesting. Uh, the Fermi solution, obviously, is a response to the Fermi paradox. Uh, Kondra Tuik is actually one of the scientists who kind of talked about the escapism and stuff like that. Um, vacuum diagram, kind of a similar thing. But all these ships are actually very similar. Um, Trying to remember where I what what class I I had made a note and I can't find it at the moment, but each of the factions are very similar to a particular class. Uh, New Monarchy, for example, is very similar to the Phaeton. Uh, I think it's the Future War Cult. I want to say is very predominantly. Um, oh, I want to say that they're Keystrel, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um. Yeah, I think New Monarchy or Future Warcult is Keystrel. Or no, Future Warcult is Regulus and Dead Orbit is more of a Keystrel model. There are variations though, and they're they're actually very distinctive variations. Uh the Fermi Solution, for example, is much more curved than a normal Keystrel ship. Um so yeah, and that's that's kind of why when I said that my head was about to explode. That's kind of why is because that's all the information that we tried to capture within this mind map. So I really, really, really strongly suggest that you, you know, jump into the show notes that we have linked on the Podbean site or in we have a directory running um, in our discord chat for all the episodes. And it's linked to every single mind map that we have. Check it out there as well. Um, I'm going to actually let Justin or Mel take over for a moment. Because I need to go get a drink of water. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, uh, Mel, you got you got anything before I jump in? No, go ahead. I just wanted to, to kind of, this is going to kind of backtrack over some stuff Blue said, but uh, I wanted to, to kind of just throw some things into some of these unique ships, which are the ones that I love best because they're, they're only available through certain avenues and their names to me are just with the ships. For me, the name is where it's at because the aesthetic of the ship um, and Mel will probably get into this a little bit later with the, uh, you know, with the costume design um, aspect of it, even though it's not a costume, but um, the aesthetic of the ship, they're very similar and it's almost like different models of the same make of car. But the name for me is where it's at. And some of these names are just very, very interesting to me. And among them, I, I kind of want to go back to the rare, unique ships. And uh, the one that catches my eye more than anything is Karuna Falling. Um, Karuna could be a... Uh, you know, a nod to a couple different things, but the one that I love the best, you know, for, 
for a thematic type of uh, interpretation is the concept of compassion in Buddhism is called Karuna. Mm. Um, and, and when you say Karuna falling, it's just like almost like the fall of compassion, um, which I think is really cool. It's also a place in uh, Finland and a place in Bangladesh. So, I mean, it could, re- it could be referencing a battle. We know how Bungie loves to throw mm-hmm. real world locales into their, into their references, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the fangs of Nyx, I thought was really was really cool. And can anyone remember? I can remember getting this ship. The the uh, what was I trying to say? The blueprints for the ship. I mm. think it came out of a chest on Venus. Am I right? Oh the, man, it's been so long. The fangs. Yeah, the fangs. Oh man, I've gotten. So, I don't think that. I got it from any particular place because I got it in a couple different areas. I want to say I even got one in a crucible match, but I don't think that's accurate because obviously I, I don't, I don't think that's accurate, but if you don't remember Nyx, she is, (laughs) Liz's going to love this. Um, (laughs) She is the primordial goddess of the night that blue and I absolutely got murdered for a couple episodes back. So Listen to that. Which episode was that, Blue? I don't even remember. I think I, I, remember. I get yelled at. I get yelled at regardless of what <laughs> mythology I bring into. So, but yes, um, Nyx, Nyx is a god. Nyx is a terrifying but, but, figure. Okay, so here's my question to you, Blue, because you know more about this than I do. Nyx isn't necessarily associated with an animal, I don't think, right? No, no. Nyx, Nyx so, is Nyx is the perf- okay. Nyx is the the personification like said, of the, the primordial the, but the emphasis here is the primordial nix is nix is a primordial being which is a being that is like okay so within greek mythology you have olympians right those are the common gods that most mm-hmm. people recognize you actually have the titans and then you have a race that's kind of above them and then there's a another race above them and that's the primordials primordials are exactly kind of how that name kind of implies they are primordial powers they are basically the creatures or the entities that stood at the beginning of creation and they are actually the source of the other deities um nix for example and i i think you might you might have been headed this way uh, nix is actually considered the mother of Hypnos and Thanatos and Erebus. Uh, those are sleep, death, and darkness, for for example. Um, I know there's a host of others that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. But yeah, Nyx is, Nyx is one of the figures that even even the gods trembled. She was uh, she was the daughter of Chaos, which is, you know... That's what it was. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was... A female and yeah. Yeah, yeah. she I, she she yeah. The primordials yeah. preceded Titans and Olympians, and you know, they were immensely powerful. Immensely powerful. I think in some in some stories she's the sibling of Erebus, Gaia, and Tartarus. Uh some say that she's the the mother. Um so I mean it, it kind of gets fuzzy. <laughs> with mythology sometimes but yeah the constant is that nix was an immensely powerful figure uh but no i don't i don't remember nix ever really being 
set to a particular creature. Yeah, um, that that's the part of it, the fangs of Nyx. That's well, the part that really... Uh, not really, because if you remember the story of Kronos, um, the gods ate their children. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it's not, it's not entirely not, I don't think Nick's, I don't, I don't remember a story of Nick's, but I mean like Kronos, Kronos, that was the whole thing with Zeus was, uh, he was going to eat Zeus and there, his mother, uh, switched him for a rock, fed the rock to Kronos and Zeus was, was able to escape and he grew up and took uh, Mount Olympus back. Well, not back, but he took, he knocked Kronos out basically of his seat of power. And that's the, that was the ra- the rise of the Olympians was that whole thing because Kronos, you know, consumed his children. Um, so, I mean, Fangs of Nyx, you know, she's the, the personification of the night. Um, she, she was, like I said, she was the mother of like Nemesis, which was retribution, Hypnos, which was sleep, Thanatos, which is death, Garrus, which is old age, Eris, which was strife, and even Charon, who was the uh, boatman who took the souls across the river Styx at the underworld. Um, so yeah, I mean Nyx, Nyx is a very, very powerful thing, but I don't, I don't. I always kind of, whenever I read that, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it, it kind of made sense with the primordials being kind of that, I don't, it, like, just pure power. Um, and then with, like, the stories of Kronos and stuff like that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Beware her maw. She's going to eat you. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple others. The, the Outrageous Fortune, which I almost envision is a Shakespeare quote, but um, <laughs> the rope to heaven is a really intriguing <laughs> one for me. Um, Blue might, Blue might know a little bit about this. Uh, I, I found a lot of uh, literary references to when the Pope dies and, and kind of a, uh, in Catholicism, he's he's brought up to heaven by a golden rope. Have you ever heard of that? Mm, I mean, that sounds like something that I don't it think. That's, like, that's, I don't think that's canon. That's anywhere. not canon. But no, I mean, like it wouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't. I have not heard that. But I most think, of these ship, most of these ship names, I think, would make awesome titles for books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so like for for example, when okay, so Rope to Heaven, um, the flavor text on Rope to Heaven is: Be wary of what you find between the stars. Demons have breached the gates where once only angels dared. Um, we talked quite a bit about this actually in chat with regards to the concept of seraphim. Uh, there's there's the seraph armor, which actually discusses whether or not the the guardians are viewed in the city as angels or demons. There's a, there's a very kind of a um, I don't want to say it's a subplot, but it's there's a there's a lot of actually kind of 
nods to the concept of um, angelic creatures. Uh, you also have the seraphim toaster, uh, rope to heaven. You have the seraph armor. The seraph armor. You have there's there's oh gosh what is there's um the entire concept of the seraphim vault with the warsats, uh, the seven seraphs. There's the the entire present uh, the entire presentation of the sun singers having the f- wings of flame. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of little, little, just little tips of the hat to, to an angels or demons. Um, so the rope to heaven was kind of, you know, as far as I've always read it, I've kind of always read that as being another kind of breadcrumb, I guess you would of that entire little story. Um, I'm trying to remember the ser- the seraphim toaster one. Hang on real quick, because that one was always kind of an interesting one. Uh, do do yeah, Seraphim Toaster, which was I believe it's a legendary ship and it's a crucible variant. I want to say that's where it is. Um, but the the flavor text is angels are a navigational hazard, so don't hit them. Apparently, they make really bad speed bumps or really good speed bumps, depending on what side of the the debate you're on but yeah it's a rope to rope to heaven i i mean like like i said i haven't heard that particular thing um but i don't know no no i'm actually i got that from a manuscript uh from gosh i don't even know what nationality is it's a last name moser nelek moser Hang on, I might have just found something too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Nelly, Nelly, yeah, that's what I just pulled up too. Something about yeah, so, when the Pope died, he's pulled up to heaven by a. Where did that go? I just saw it. But yeah, you know, yeah. It, okay, it was, yeah. I see. I see. That's like what was that? Fourteen fifty. Yeah, uh, it was a long, I mean, long time ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's like I haven't heard it. <laughs> I haven't heard of that, but, um, yeah. Mel, Mel, I yes. just did it. I just did it. I found a literary reference Blue hadn't heard of. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I haven't read the literary cultures and public opinion in the low countries from 1450 to 1650. <laughs> apologize that I have what? not read. I have, it I apologize. I, I apologize that I have not picked up this book and read the 200, 200 well, year history of the the cultures and public well, opinions. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Blue, it's a page turner. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually found it on Oprah's book club. It was amazing. <laughs> well played. Well played. Oh, well played. Okay, so moving on. Uh, oh. Mel, Mel, did you have any thoughts? <laughs> Not. Not too much. I mean, I think my favorite thing about the jump ships is all the flavor text on them. There's some really funny ones that make me laugh, but not really anything beyond that that is super in-depth. So <laughs> but, um. so I, I had a question for you hmm. guys. So it's it's pretty it's pretty uh evident here that all these ships that were coming across that were uh 
previous iterations that we're repurposing that reconciling that with the lore is easy. Cause you know, there's going to be a lot of golden age wreckage laying around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a lot of failed heroes and their ships are bound to be out there somewhere. So that makes a lot of sense to me where I run into a little bit of trouble and maybe blue can help me out with this, but is reconciling the raid ships. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if now was a good time to jump into legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ships um, and start with the raids. Start with the raids. Okay. Um, there's there's a couple. Uh, so, oh, okay. So up the first two raids, um, we kind of we kind of see an evolution, and it's it's an intriguing evolution. Uh, for example, Vault of Glass uh, has two two ships. You have the aspect of glass and the glass minuet. Now, what I found interesting here was there was actually a schematic that you got for glass minuet. I don't rem- you don't get schematics for raid ships in everything. Else. I don't remember getting a. Oh, you didn't did get we? one. I, re- I, remember I don't remember getting, getting the it. schematic. I just got the ship. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay, they might they yeah, might have yeah. changed it. They might have because I yeah, I've I that one a few seemed, times. I seem to remember getting it, but I could it it was it has been so long, sadly, since I've run the Vault of Glass that Well, I'm looking at the schematic, so I know you're not lying. Yeah, yeah. I cannot remember getting that. I, I, and so I I I faintly remember getting the schematic like the first couple times right. we ran it, but since I've ran it, gone through it since the Taken King, I just got the ship. Right, and they so and they could have, and that's that's kind of what I was. Changed it. Yeah, and I was going to say that that looks if you if you actually look on the map, you can see the Vault of Glass. We have two ships now. What that was was back in the day, um, <laughs> which is really weird saying that. But it it used to be that there was a a very hard segregation between normal and hard mode. Um, there still is, as far as mechanics like playing it but actually i mean well okay depends upon the raid right 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 Um, (laughs) but like they they had it down to a point where you actually would get completely different drops like and you still do to a degree but i mean like for god's sake crota's end was terrible about it you would have entirely different loot tables for one version as opposed to the other and i think there's still that wasn't terrible it was annoying. Was, it was. It was I, annoying. I thought that was I, I still, good. I'm still waiting for my sword breaker, so you can shut your mouth. Um, oh, you should have one of those. I know. In your life. As that much as much gun. as I had to run that stupid raid, I should. Anyways, moving on to more positive topics. Um, it used to be that you got entirely different ships. So, like aspect of glass and glass minuet were for nor- normal and hard mode. I can't remember which one was which. Was glass minuet the hard mode? I can't. I don't, I no, don't. No, no. Uh, Which one had the? I gold think it's the other it? way around. Aspect of glass. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The other, the other really, really annoying thing about this is so glass minuet was normal, and then you you beat it on hard and you get aspect of glass. And you know when you first get it, you're like, hey, cool, I'm gonna get a different ship. Yeah, it's accented gold. Same ship. It's the same, same ship, ship with a gold line yeah. on it. I was like, you just. Really? Describe the problem of ships in Destiny. <laughs> really? I mean, it was, it was, just it, it's so, so like, but I mean, for the large majority of it, I can kind of see it because it's explained, but that one specific was, 
I just remember the, the utter disappointment of when I pulled up. I'm like, yeah, I got the hard mode ship, equipped it, mm-hmm. went to orbit, and I was like, I hate you a little bit. Just just a Crota raid. The Crota raid was the same. Uh, it was wasn't like, there oh. wasn't there more hivey hiveness on it? Yeah, but no, there was the green. Barnacles. It was the green accent. I think. Yeah, a few more barnacles do not a new ship make. <laughs> man. So so what Justin's talking about is so the change from Vault of Glass to Crota's End was they dropped the schematic. We didn't get schematics for the ship anymore. But we got we still had two ships. We had the Light in the Abyss and the Bane of the Dark Bane of Dark Gods. Um again, the only change was a very like slight accent. Uh Bane of the Dark Gods basically had little green highlights on it. Um and so it was like, okay, cool, whatever. Now, King's Fall. King's Fall comes and we only get one ship. And I think the Agonarch Carve it's only hard mode, right? Yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. okay. that was and a hard Crota. mode. Crota, yeah. you had to, or not Crota, you had to beat Oryx on okay, hard okay. mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had you had to beat the final boss on hard mode. So there was no normal mode. So that was the change from Crota to King's Fall. Was we went from two ships to one. I'm like, okay, that works. Which is, we had one ship the whole time. They just had two names. Well, yeah, okay, fine. Negative, Nancy. <laughs> um, and then in Wrath of the Machine, they continue this with the uh, so so King's Fall ship is the Agonaut Carve. Um, we talked about that actually quite a bit with the King's Fall episode. I think there's there's a really fascinating nod in the name Agonaut Carve, and I I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to remember the entire. I mean, there's like there was like a 15 minute rant that I went on about the like the symbolism of the name because an Agonaut is. The Agonarch yeah. is the ruler of a or the mediator of a debate, I think, and the entire or, the entire raid was a debate of wills. And so yeah, yeah there's it was really cool. It was like when I started looking into the Agonarch carve, it was a really fascinating kind of like very very subtle weaving of definitions of the words and you know how the situation that led to you getting the ship um was with wrath of the machine we continue this tradition we only get one mission we only get one ship and that's the nano phoenix which doesn't take a lot of imagination to see the connection there (laughs) yeah a lot Uh, of geometry in that one well, but I mean, also because it's a nano machine, it's rising from the ashes, like the Phoenix, like the naming convention there is, I think, a little bit more blunt than the Agonaut Carve. Um, and even the flavor text, all destruction is an act of creation and vice versa, um, is very, very a big nod to the entire cycle of the resurrection of the Phoenix and the creation and the destruction. So, um, so, but you're, you were actually asking about the specific designs, right? Well, okay. Okay. I want to even break it down even okay. farther than that. Let's, let's not worry about the designs because well, well, we can worry about the designs. If we go back, let's, let's take it all the way back to, to, uh, Vault of Glass. Mm-hmm. These are clearly guardian ships, right? Yes. The design is conforms with what we know a a golden age ship to be designed like, right? Mm-hmm. Whose 
freaking ship is this? Is my question. Um. Well, I mean, like, like specifically. Yeah, specifically, like, where does it fit into the lore? Because each one of them, like, especially the Vault of Glass ships, has a pretty enigmatic and intriguing quote as a flavor text. Aspect of Glass reads, you fly unbound beneath eternity. Who is flying unbound beneath (laughs) eternity? Or who said this? Well, it could be possible, like, the Vault of Glass. Said um, it? No, no, not the Vault of Glass, but uh, who was it that you find in the Vault of Glass? Praetith. Thank you, Praetith. It could be his ship. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it make sense where... that they have flown there and left their ship there, fought, yes, died yeah. down there, and then now you have a ship? And then, like, the Argonaut Carve, like, it's possible. I mean, Tolan is the one giving the flavor text on it. So it's possible that he went there, and if he actually ascended, like, we theorize, it's possible we're getting his ship. Yeah, yeah, that's actually that's actually kind of the direction I was the whole direction I was going with this whole thing, which was each raid there's there's got to be an explanation for for these ships, right? For these ships as a raid reward, otherwise it's just a reward. I mean, it's possible it's just a reward, but um the fact that they put flavor text to it um kind of points me in the direction of these are meant to fit into the lore in or- some in some if, way, shape, or form. If there are, are actual spoils of war, it is possible that we go there. You're like, oh, this looks nice. I'm going to take it. And you well, yeah, but it it got it. there somehow <laughs> because it's not like the Bane of the Dark Gods from the Crota Raid. Let's move on to the Crota Raid. The Bane of the Dark Gods has hivey hiveness all over the front of it. It's got barnacles of hive all over the front, but it's clearly as well a guardian ship. In mm-hmm. fact, it doesn't look any any different than either of the Vault of Glass ships mm-hmm. in in base shape. Well, right. now, then, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, who was the bane of the dark gods? Who is who could you characterize as being defiant? That's just just those things kind of resonate with me as being very Eris. In- right. Well, yeah, I was about to say I it mean, could like, be Eris or like- Ariana because she was the one that, like, you know, I'm. She's okay. yeah. They went down to, as the first fire team that went down, and they all got slain by Crota. So it's and and that's exactly where I'm going. That's, Mel, what are you doing? I'm that's sorry. Exactly, exactly where I'm going with the next thing. The, the <laughs> other Crota ship, a light in the abyss, from out of the dark up into the light. That Ariana, she was so very bright right there at the end. I'm thinking that the pair of ships from the Crota raid were Eris and Ariana. And that was those were their two ships. And, well, and we're far from confirming anything. I don't think it's Eris' ship because Eris has a ship. And it has high behiveness on it. So when we actually go to the Dreadnought for the first time, we take her ship yeah, and we put the self-drive on it, and then we blow it up, and she was very upset by it, allegedly. So, Yeah, but that's not the ship. I don't think she flew out of there, right? I assume so. That was her ship that you, she used to escape. Yeah, that's the ship that she used to escape. Wait, Maybe are so. we talking... Wait, hang on. Are you talking about the ship that she... she so you're saying that the ship... To the tower? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so you're her saying ship. The ship the ship that you get at Cortisan is her, her ship. ship when she was a guardian, and the ship that we take is her that's ship. That's my question. From when she mm-hmm. left, and so she didn't take the same yeah. ship back. Is that what yeah. we're trying to get at? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or did there's, she just... there's a point. Okay, so there's a point at which it might just be a reward. I. You know, I like. I, I like that answer. I know. I know. I'm not. I don't. I don't give that answer lightly because I absolutely hate that answer. Okay. But, okay. So if we're gonna if we're gonna go with Justin's spin foil theory, then how do you explain the Nano Phoenix and the New Ray? Because there's no other guardians that really have gone. Uh, no, down no, that's there. that's not actually true. good point. That's well, it's not, but that's actually a good point. So the Nano Phoenix. I think is probably completely and utterly SIVA created because it's one of it. We have two raid ships that are completely, completely. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, individual in their design. Mm-hmm. They're, they're completely original. They don't draw from anything within the shipwrights um, blueprints so far, right? The yes. Agonaut carve, Looks like nothing else in the game. The Nano Phoenix, I guess if you took the geometry away and, and really broke it down, you could probably find a Regulus class in there somewhere. But if you just look at it, there's not much there. Maybe. I don't these, know about that. I, I think the one, the Nano Phoenix looks exactly like the very first jump ship you get. The Arcadia. But it just has- the Arcadia. Yeah, and it just and, yeah. and would it make sense that it would look like the Arcadia right. because all the guns from the raid are like low level guns that have SIVA built into it, and so the ship that if you look at the picture of the ship, that it actually looks like there's a SIVA attached to an Arcadia. So here yeah, I can give you yeah. Um, so, go for it. Yeah. So I I don't know like I I think part of me wants to believe that there is some type of lore connection, but I wouldn't, e- I wouldn't put it past the fact that they just happen to be spoils. Like you're out, you're ready. And you're like, you know what? That's shiny. I want it. And they just like take the shit, you know, especially since like the ones from the Oryx raid, um, definitely the Argonaut carve looks some, looks very Heidi, Heidi, mm-hmm. you know? So it didn't make sense that they just, you're, you know, they're in the dreadnought, you know, like that's a, that's a nice looking ship. I'm gonna take that home and I'm gonna park it in my garage. You know, yeah, the Argonaut, the Argonaut Carve is actually the only ship that I would agree would have a somewhat unique model. But even that, even that is very similar to a Phaeton model, um, structurally wise. Uh, so I, I, I'm even hesitant to say that it's not quote unquote based off a, a shipwright design because the. The Phaeton, um, there's a ship that's called, I think it's Fatal Vision, looks, if you if you compare the two of them to the, the Argonaut Carve wow. and the Fatal Vision side by side, they're very, like, I mean, you could lay them over each other. Um, and so, but then going back to the Nano Phoenix, um, I actually kind of have a theory on how that could be connected in lore. Um, Siva, as you know, augments everything. And the Arcadia class is the only really class of ship that doesn't, we don't see any evolution of ever. Like we don't, there, there really isn't another, um, 
a nod to the Arcadia class in the higher echelons of the of the ship rarities, I guess you would call them. Um, but we also know that Siva's been underground for a really long time, and there's the the Arcadia is a ship that we we find, you know, within I think it's restorate the mission restoration. I think it's like the second mission you play. Uh, that's the Arcadia class. It's the, the very basic, you know, got two giant engines and like the the rocket launcher tube looking thing that sticks out the front of it. I mean, it it is the Nano Phoenix. If you put the Nano Phoenix next to the Arcadia, it's the same thing. It just has a couple of um, the Warmind logos on top of it. Really, I mean, that's I'm looking at the Nano Phoenix right now, and I'm looking at an Arcadia, and that's really the only difference. Is it's got a couple of the diamonds on the top of it. Uh, it's got Siva coming out of the engines that are the exact. They're they're exactly the same. It's got the same nose as an Arcadia. Um, so it is it to me, to me, what I'm, when I'm looking at the nano Phoenix, that's an augmented Arcadia by Siva, which is not out of the realm of possibilities because we know that Siva is augmenting, like you were saying with the raid weapons, it's augmenting everything. And given that it's in the plague lands, which is where, you know, a lot of the iron Lords and, you know, the risen, all these early guardians were around it does make sense that early weapons and light, you know, lower classification weapons would be the pieces that are getting augmented because they're in high, they're, they're common. They are common classifications. There's a lot of them, uh, by the very name of that designation. So it, it's not a big surprise for me for the Nano Phoenix. Um, the Agonaut carve, uh, you know, kind of similar, I see the Phaeton model in the Agonaut Carf, but I don't necessarily, I'm not going to go as far to say that it's a modified version of the Phaeton. Um, cause I think the Agonaut Carf that I, I would, I would personally classify the Agonaut Carf as like the one ship that's definitely not Terran in design. Like it's, it's, I think that is yeah. completely unique and completely based in the Dreadnought. Um, you can see that with all the, the Kingfall weaponry, you know, they're very organic. I'd even take it back all the way to the fundament. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like it, it looks like a needle ship if you would. I mean, it's not a needle ship. It's not a needle ship. It's not the, it's not the needle ship. It could be a needle ship, but it does want it to be. Right. I mean, it's, it's very, um, very organic tech. Um, you know, I can see this being a, the equivalent of the Yuzan Vong in, in Star Wars in here. Like that's kind of, that's kind of the feel I always got about the raid weapons. Um, the ship, you know, I, I look, if you look at the ship, it's got bone and tendons. There's really no tech at all. I don't, I don't even know. Does it even have engines? I don't think it even has engines on it. I think it runs on hate. Oh yeah, I mean like but I mean that's what I mean though, is like I'm not seeing I'm I'm pulling I don't it up think there's I don't see there's nothing mechanical about it. Right. Um now um, no go for it, go for it. Um if we wanna expand a little bit more on Nano Phoenix, if you think about it, when we actually find this we actually find the Arcadia jump ship, it's crashed in pretty close to where the actual plague lands start. Mm-hmm. So it is possible that this one of these ships could have been one of the Iron Lord ships at one point in time too, 
you know, like then, you know, obviously if there was one Arcadia jump ship there, it's a good possibility that there was more Arcadia jump ships that have crash landed into the plague lens area. So I guess it could be possible. It was one of theirs. If you want to actually tie it into an actual person within the lore Mm -hmm. and, since the Argonaut carve looks so foreign to us and we, we, I think all of us kind of theorize that Tolan has ascended. Um, well, we know he went and he went to Hivey Hiveyness. So, I mean, if he did ascend, it's possible he left his ship. And if he has been with the Hivey Hiveyness, then he could have just like, Hey, I'm taking this ship. And then we, we literally have Tolan's ship as, as a raid perk for killing oryx you know especially if you think of like we talk about how the oryx mechanics actually go and you have to go into like that little quote-unquote ascended you know uh area and you go and you grab the brow like and you jump to these other things and people or you know kind of theorize like oh that's tolan helping you doing doing the thing mm-hmm. so um i I, I like Justin's theory. I th- I like that a lot more than it's just a spoil of war. Right. I can't so. do the whole it's just a spoil of war. Okay. I've got to think so, it's tied in somehow. Okay. Um, so going back. Otherwise, I'll go nuts. <laughs> going back to the Vault of Glass and Crota's End ships. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the different base models. I'm just running through all the base models. Uh, it's very similar to the Keystroke Class CX. And that's, uh, I can... I, there's no really easy way to show this, um, but it's a, it's a very very similar design, especially with the engine bays. Um, the nose is a bit different. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep looking to see if I can find a better match. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of the engines alone makes me think that it's a Keystroll base model. I could be incorrect on that just because I'm I'm kind of going off the cuff on that designation there. But, um, you know, the the other thing is, is that a lot, again, going back to looking at the types and the res, the designations here, um, we know for Crota, especially, uh, for Crota, we know that there were a lot of guardians on the, on the moon that didn't walk away. Uh, and a keystroll is a very common ship type. So it it could be that this was just a ship that was left, you know, kind of similar to Eris's ship that she cobbled together with the hive, you know, organic matter on top of a frame to get out of the moon and back to the tower. You know, it could be something similar. It could be something that we, you know, because it's not, it wouldn't be, it would not be unheard of for our guardian to literally take the body parts of things that they've killed and wear them. I'm looking at you, sunless cell. I still <laughs> don't understand how that guy's head fits on our head, but we made it <laughs> and we look like a giant land shark, but, it's, um, uh, space magic. No, but I mean, but, okay. love putting stuff on that's made of other things. Yeah. Gellion. Okay. Gellion. Oh yeah. Look at all our bones Gellion, and everything. Gellion and his armor. Um, oh yeah. But I mean, so I mean, I could, I could see someone being like that. That's a, that's a keystroll ship, you know, and it's not, it wouldn't be the first ship that we, our guardian has retrofitted. Right. I mean, we, we, we picked up an Arcadia class jump ship and, cobbled it together and took it back to the tower. Uh, so here's my only problem though. 
We don't exactly just park our ships, do we? Everything we do, equipment-wise, is done via transmit, right? Even when you call your ship to go to orbit, it's very similar to the mechanic for for summoning your sparrow. No, well, we get transmatted. Yeah, I always thought the ship. I don't think the ship. No, I don't think the ship gets transmatted. That's what I'm saying to the ship. Right. But that doesn't. I don't think the ship would be on the moon. Oh yeah. Stays in. It's in orbit. No, 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 no. No, because you when you we know the ship lands. Look at any okay. Anytime you land at the reef or the tower, as soon as you hit the ground, run to the ship. Well, bay. yeah, yeah, I guess. R- I, I mean, guess run to the ship bay, and you will see the ship that you were flying being loaded into the ship bay. Like, I've, I've done it a number of times. Like if no, you, no, if you I've land, too. you're you'll I've always see your ship. I mean, your I'm ship- thinking of when you land in a combat zone, though, is what I'm thinking okay. of. Yeah, but I mean, so I guess in my head canon, this is this is completely my head canon. Um, it's so when you when you watch the animation, um, you know of any of the cutscenes when you land in a designated combat zone, right? Um, the one that I keep thinking of right now is the, the first. Moon. Well, the, not the moon. Well, yeah, the moon. Uh, the first the, moon the, where the, the ship flies by, and then you pop you up. pop up. There's also the for um oh god restoration i think i think it's like the second mission when it flies over the the little hill and it you drop down and then also but also the first taken mission i think it's the first taken mission on the phobos oh um, yeah, yeah yeah the ship this is this is actually one of the first times you see the ship come by and pick you up you don't see it drop you off but at the end of the mission you remember your ship comes down and it picks you up and you take off but you never see. I don't remember the ship transmatting into existence. I remember the ship because we know the ship can autopilot. Um, there is a actually this is a great opportunity for me to bring this up. Uh, when we look at the NLS drive, which is near Lightspeed Drive, uh, so there's a really really kind of cool thing about the Ninos, but I'm not going to get into that. There's another item called the Psy Tempest Three. Uh, this is a green Ingram, which you will no longer be able to pick up now. Thank you. If you're over level 40, it will just automatically get decrypted. But the Psy Tempest 3 is actually a multi-role weapon. And the flavor text is multi-role weapon. Fire control system can double as an NLS drive regulator if you don't mind a gun flying your ship. Hmm. Um, so so what, what I'm... The reason I'm bringing this up is in in my mind, what I'm hearing here is that your ship has basic AI, right? Your ship is yeah. able to autopilot. And so what I'm kind of imagining is if you're flying into a, a danger zone or whatever, it's going to drop you off and then you designate a, a landing, an LZ, and either it goes and waits or I mean, I guess you could... I guess you could send it back to up to orbit. My problem with that in this world of destiny is that everything, everything is based around the conservation of resources, the conservation of resources, sending a ship, an empty ship back up into orbit, wastes a lot of fuel, especially when it has to turn around and come back to you. Right. 
Don't talk to me about wasting. No, I but, always, but but you does it make? I mean, Mars, right? Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like go back it, to Mars. Go back to Mars. What? Okay. I but, always kind of thought it was like Star Trek, like the ship stays in low orbit and then you get beamed down. But even that, but even that Unless is a waste in, of fuel. But even that is a waste of fuel because you could just land the ship and turn off the engine. Well, couldn't you turn off the engine if you don't it was need, actually stuck in orbit, though? Like, but, it, you, but, but we know you don't that need it can't, more fuel to maintain an orbit. Once but you you're need in it, fuel to to enter and exit that orbit, and we know that we have to enter exactly. and exit the orbit to pick us up from the planet's surface. But because every cutscene that we've seen, whether it's dropping us off or picking us up in the ship, it has to come down to the surface. It can't. It can't pick it up from the orbit. Currently, currently, with our tech that we have, because it's the ghost that's transmitting us into the ship. No, wait. So, which cutscenes do we have where the ship picks us up? Um, it's the, the Taken mission uh, on Phobos. At the very end, the ship like comes and like careens by, and it like sucks you up. Because most of the time, and this might just be a game mechanic, but most of the time, you just beam up to it. Well, okay, most of the time it appears that you just transmit out. Yes. But yes, we don't yes, see a ship. You are correct. Right. But I that mean, might just be a mechanic. It could be. Something's could. gotta be a mechanic at some point. I, I'm I'm that, not that I'm correct. not arguing, but what I'm saying is it could also easily just be a mechanic that you don't see the ship that's actually right above you. Yeah, actually Mage in chat is is making the point I was trying to make, which is being in orbit is just being in orbit. Right. Like you're right. You it takes no fuel to maintain your orbit I once com- you're in it. It takes well, uh, it takes depends fuel on where you're orbiting, but well, it takes fuel to make or break that orbit. Right. But so that's if you're my, trying to change your But orbit, wouldn't but, it take more fuel to actually land and then break out of the atmosphere of the planet? It would just to maintain an orbit. But you're also assuming that the the range of transmatting doesn't exist, which we know it does. Because that's the entire reason that Guardians love Sparrows, is that they're easy to transmat. They're small enough to easily transmat. And well, we're smaller than point. a sparrow. No, we we are smaller than a sparrow, but it's our ghost that's transmatting us. There's only and the reason that the sparrow is able to be transmatted is because so the concept of transmat now the other now the alternative, and here's here's another thought going so going with your idea. Going with your idea that the ship stays in orbit. What it could be is, depending on your definition, depending on what transmat, the technology of transmat actually is, if if transmatting is simply the encoding of data into a digital form and then re-encoding it into a physical form that's stored within the ghost databanks, then technically mm-hmm. speaking, a ghost could record and encode a guardian, fly up to a ship and decode it back, right? Because the I ghost, think- the ghost is with you. And the ghost yeah, doesn't doesn't yeah. require because the ghost can obviously travel through the vacuum of space, the atmospheres, and okay. stuff like that. I think you might be onto something, Blue. And that the one thing that is kind of leaning me your way is: Do you remember the? I think it was Taking King mission where you go back to Crota's End to, uh, you know, you're trying to get the oh, hive yeah. stank the on stank. you, so you're going. Yeah. So, anyways, once. Once you go in there and you steal it, everything goes haywire and they start fighting you. Mm-hmm. You fight them and then Eris 
pulls you out. Using, and I think it's Cade talking to yeah, Harris, using, maybe. Using Tolan's uh, Yeah, yeah. So she, they act like it's a very big deal to just pull you out like that. Right. Well, because it... Whereas, yeah. whereas if it had been a deal that a ghost could do very easily, he would have just said, okay, let's leave. Right. And that was because you were in you were in the throne world. That God dang it. Everything I think has had like <laughs> ten more things. It has like ten more things that I could think and I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> well, I do I do have one more point before we jump. No, did, um while I do this, did you want to do did you have a not really, because I feel like we kind of covered it when okay. we were going over. Because the ones that are really unique are kind of like the raid ships, because mm-hmm. all the rest of them are very cookie cutter with different yeah. paint jobs. And I feel we kind of went over okay. the ships Perfect. a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's so. fine. Um, I do have one discrepancy that really kind of irked me when I was putting this together. And I kind of mentioned this at the at the start. Uh, there's a there's a mismatch in in the schematics and the models of predominantly the one that I noticed and I haven't really gone after I noticed this I stopped paying attention because it was just bugging me so bad um the slipper misfit um so the slipper misfit we actually have as far as I can tell uh three well four ships one of them is a unique name ship the quite content damsel which is hilarious if you haven't read that flavor text you really need to um, but the schematics that we have that are for the basic ships are AX10, CX10, and EX10. So it's like, okay, I see where we're going with this. The ships that we have access to, however, are the AX19, the A- the CX20, and the EX21. Okay, so there's a there's a little bit of a confusion there. The schematic for an AX-10 actually says that it's a schematic for an advanced AX-10 model. Okay, so the ship that we get out of the AX-10 schematic is an AX-19. All right, I can see that being a de- an advanced AX-10 model, with the 10 being the, the designation predometer. So, okay, the CX-10 schematic says that it's an advanced CX-20 model. The ship that we get out is a CX-20. Okay, I'm good so far. The EX-10 schematic specifically says it's a schematic for an advanced EX-30 ship. The ship that we pull out of an EX-10 schematic is an EX-21. I nearly put my head through a wall (laughs) trying to figure this one out. I don't is my advice. I legitimately don't know. What I'm like, I could have missed, I could have missed a slipper misfit somewhere, but I don't think I did now. It's entirely possible that I missed it, but I don't think I did. <laughs> but so yes, the EX 10 slipper misfit schematic, which says that it's made for an EX 30 advanced model gives us an EX 21 slipper mod slipper misfit. Now look, I love Amanda Holiday. She's a great lady. But what the what the like? I feel like I got gypped. 
I feel like the mechanic told me that there was a there was a noise in the engine when it was just him banging around. You know. Did he did did Amanda Holiday spray WD forty up the the tailpipe of our ships? Yes. It's possible. Okay. okay. All right. That's, that's I would see I would see her doing that. Okay. Cool. All right. That's all I needed to know. Um yeah. So <laughs> That was literally I was doing I was doing the note the the map for the slippers and I was like, okay, that's okay, AX. There we got an AX, we got a CX, we got an EX ten or EX blah, blah blah. I was like, but we don't have an like it didn't make any sense. And I looked at the description and I was like, I should have never looked at that description because now I'm really confused about what's going on here. So yeah. Have fun with that one, guys. If anyone knows the answer to that particular question, please let me know. Even if it's blue, you're an idiot and you missed the uh, you missed the uh, EX35, whatever. Um, so let me see here. Blah blah blah. Base models. Um, okay, the other trivia fact that I had on the base models: only the Phaeton actually doesn't have a unique ship that utilizes its frame. Um, but like I said, the new monarchy ships are based off the frame. Uh, and I think I already said this, but I might've said it, I might've flipped it. Dead orbit is modeled off the keystrel. Future war cult is modeled after the regulus. Um, I could have flipped that because I didn't look at that correctly. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, all the cons. And I, I mentioned this when I was talking about the one private project, but all console-specific ships are explained as private projects of Amanda. So apparently Amanda really likes the PlayStation Network, not the Xbox Live Network. Ha! Um, the only She's totally other, a, a PlayStation she's girl. She's totally a Sony fangirl. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Hence other- the black hand. <laughs> Oh boy, here we I go. I knew this was coming up. Um the only other one, the only other thing that I did have here is uh the fact that Dido actually could be a supplier of engine propellant for the jump ships. Um and this is actually from a screenshot that Rhino 666 grabbed uh of <clears throat> what looks to be a rack of either missile tubes or engine tubes we don't really know but it has dido printed all over it um and we 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 don't know and it's in it's in the uh it's in the shipyard on the tower if i remember correctly so that's an that's a kind of an interesting thing um if i remember Um, no go for it go for it i was just gonna ask you if we're just throwing them all out there did you find anything on the tail hard war? Oh yes. Uh, so the tail, the, uh, this is the future war. Yes. Cult, right. Okay. Um, tail hard. All is, things converge. All things converge. Um, there is, so there's a couple theories about tail hard. um, the two ships, let me make sure I'm reading them correctly here. The ships the for the future war cult are the climb, the road unraveled, and the tail hard war. Um, tail hard is actually, I believe, 
a nod. Let me make sure. Here. Is it the Frenchman? Yes, I think it's Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. Teilhard de Chardin. Yeah, and the reason why I want to say that is because he was pretty obsessed with war. Um, and because- I-, I was thinking his war was with, he had a pretty contentious little period with the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Like he was, yeah, he got, he which got was a bit of what I was thinking the tail hard war was, but I, I yeah. couldn't find anything else. Well, okay. So like he, he, I mean, he was a, a bit of, obviously he was a bit of a philosopher. Uh, he was kind of, um, and he was an idealist philosopher, but he was also a Jesuit priest. And so he, he had a really interesting background. He was trained in, in paleontology and geology um, and he was actually somewhat involved in the discovery of the Peking man. Um, and so, but he, he can, he basically came up with this idea of what he called the Omega point, which is a, like, a the, uh, it's the, the high point or the maximum point, or let me just read this. It's a maximum level of complexity and consciousness towards which he believed the universe was evolving. Um, and so he, he actually went on to say that the war was a meeting with the absolute um, in one of his, one of his books. And he, he consistently kind of made these claims like that. Uh, he had actually some pretty, pretty big involved or no, he had some, involvement in world war one um and he received several citations uh because of his his service he was actually a stretcher bearer i guess and that and i don't know he was apparently really really good at what he did um but yeah he so he um he was warned repeatedly <laughs> basically that um in 1962 uh, Pope John Paul or Pope John the 23rd warned him that or warned in a decree that, quote, it, w- it is obvious that in philosophical and theological matter, the said work Teilhards are replete with amb- ambiguities or, or rather with serious area errors which offend Catholic doctrine. That is why the reverend fathers of the Holy Office urge all ordinary superiors and rectors to effectively protect, and especially the minds of the young, against the dangers of the works of Father Teilhard de Chardin and his followers, end quote. So, yeah, he got censored pretty hardly, pretty hard there. Um, and it was mostly, I think it was mostly based off the Omega Point, which is basically, like I said, the evolution um, towards this ultimate consciousness through which struggle was kind of a constant. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't very friendly. Um, but yeah, I think so. The teal hard war is definitely a nod. I think towards him. Um, I know that Rhino had a theory that the future war cult ships are actually all the same ship pulled from different for different timelines or different dimensions. Um, I like that. So, and, and that's mostly in line with their 
views of the multiverses and how there's an inevitable war going on in all of them. So, but I know, and yeah, if you guys have questions about that, definitely give Rhino a shout in the discord chat. He will be more than happy to kind of expand on that. He can do much better job explaining that than I can. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's a big philosophical undertone with the teal hard war. Okay. So. I was just making sure I wasn't going crazy. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah. find anything, anything that really reconciled itself with that flavor text of all things converge. Yeah. All things. So yeah, the, the flavor text is what actually kind of, to me confirms it because of teal heart, uh, because of Pierre's theory of the Omega point being oh, the point at oh, which all, the, all lines converge. The approaching yes. complexity. Yeah, the oh, okay. the complexity gotcha. of the universal okay. thought evolutionary yeah. or the evolution of yeah. thought to that to that point, yeah. So all points converge on the omega point is the is the thought process behind my assuming that the Teilhard War is is a nod to him. So but yeah, I think that I think that was pretty much uh again, be sure to check out the mind map. We actually do have a couple of emails. So real quick, let's jump into the dispatches from the wilds. Dispatches from the wilds. All right, so I'm going to be honest. I got a really fun one and a really long, serious one. So I'm going to read the fun one first because it's hilarious. Um, big, big thank you to the Church of Payan for for contacting us and letting us know, letting us know that Payan's personal vehicular transport unit is available for sale. It is, um, well, it's a very very attractive picture that I got sent and I'm not really sure what it's a picture of, but I'm going to go with, I assume it's a sparrow. Um, yes. So real quick, what I'm going to do is I'll just read this and it says the sparrow, the pike and that weird cabal one that rarely gets used. What do they have all in common? They are all, they are all slower than Amanda holidays, family getting to the tower. Which is why Pan has handcrafted a new vi- yes, I know. Wow. Has handcrafted a new vehicle that is capable of reaching speeds that haven't been reached since before the Golden Age. Our secret. Woo. It's a special type of fuel that the ancients called fossil fuel. And the best part, it's great for the environment. Pan's personal vehicular transport unit starts out at five hundred thousand glimmer. But why should you listen to us? Listen to Eris Morn. Oh god, it keeps going. Pan's personal vehicular transport unit is the best purchase I've ever made. As you all know, light and fury wasn't enough because our sparrows sucked. But if me and Ariana 3 had Payan's personal vehicular transport unit, we might have been able to save waning, end quote. What are you waiting Harsh. for? Go out and buy your own Payan's personal vehicular transport unit. So thank you. Thank you, Church of Payan, for, for that glorious email. Thank you. For pooping all over my favorite <laughs> Destiny quote. It's, it's wow. So funny. That that was really good. 
I have to give him. I have to give him kudos for that one. I must flow clap that one. That was way to go, Church of Pan. So yeah, the 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 drawing was the best part for me at least. So all right, I'm gonna have to see that visuals. What? See that. Um, all right. The next, the other email that I have is, uh, from our good friend, Taylor B. Um, and he says, Hey guys, I'm going to try to be there, but in case I'm pulled away, I thought I'd shoot you some notes I have in this email just in case. So Taylor actually has a Reddit post about tips and tricks from before SRL launched. I'm going to, I'm going to include these in the show notes because there's a lot of them. Um, and they're pretty good too. Yeah, they are pretty decent. Um, and then he says, things I would like to add that are with the new release are, and these these are predominantly tips for SRLs, but I, I think that it's, you know, it's worth reading. So he says, the new light level gear is worth leveling up as it makes you more durable against enemies during the race. This might go without saying, but after doing my first batch of races, finally, I definitely felt the difference when I switched. Next point. In the new maps, especially be sure to kit, to trick your jumps whenever you can. They add more S-turns and rotating obstacles this time around, so it can make or break your race. And third point, SBMM, so skill-based matchmaking, is real, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't forget that just because you didn't place first, that doesn't mean you aren't improving slash rising in the ranks. So, and then he says, as far as lore goes, SRL is run by everyone's favorite mechanic. But to me, the real story is how it's the first game mode to, as far as I know anyway, come directly from the user base. What started as a fun game to cheese chess back in House of Wolves was popular enough for Bungie to take notice. Even the Grimoire acknowledges that it was an underground event. In her quote about SRL races, when you compete your S license, Amanda Holiday mentions Marcus Wren, Kron 8, and Tyla Sola. The only notable racer mentioned really is Marcus Wren elsewhere in the grimoire because, or however, we still don't know anything aside from that he was a renowned racer. He does, however, have some quotes in the racing gear and bounties that are as follows. And this is all from the Ishtar Collective. Uh, We actually, let me read them. So he says from the crash helmet, what's a few broken bones between friends? Uh, In the quest for Sparrow Racing Pace Setter, he says either race to win or don't race at all. And then Sparrow Racing Through the Needle, he says, Not many Guardians are as good as I am at hitting gates, but there's more to racing than hitting your boost and hanging on. Uh, Spart- or Sparrow Racing Martian Monopolies, he says, There's only one strategy. Be faster than everyone else. Uh, let's see. Sparrow Racing Speed Bumps. Don't forget to hit some gates, too. From Sparrow Racing Mars Pace Setter. Those fan blades have taken out more guardians than the fallen. And I believe that those stupid fan blades. And also uh, to, just, we also need to add don't hesitate. The, the forklift to the list of the fans of things <laughs> with the fans and the yeah. death. Uh, there exactly. Are, there are rotating towers on that map, too. So don't, that's not anyone really bad as that, feel, that one. Does anyone else feel like Marcus Wren is Ricky Bobby? <laughs> shake and bake! Shake and bake! <laughs> you ain't first, you last! We go fast! So, a few more quotes from Sparrow Racing Trick Writer. You might be good, but try doing that when your sparrow's on fire. Dear little baby, do you just... <laughs> dear, dear two pound, eight ounces, baby Jesus. 
So full of wonder. Sparrow raising bugs on the windshield. He says, there are a few things more satisfying than smacking a wayward goblin with your sparrow. And then on the finisher helmet, he says, Amanda's designed lighter, faster gear to account for the hardness of Titan's heads. Racing gloves. Just buff buff out the scratches and try not to get so banged up next time. Overtaker helmet, he says, overtaking the front runner is a fine art, requiring stealth as well as speed. And then threader helmet, he says, which gates to take, which gates to miss. That's wisdom. And then, yes, he also provides the flavor text for the Frost E5s or Frosties. Uh, he says, hey, if it works for computers. <laughs> so, yeah, uh Taylor, I, I kind of have to agree. We we kind of talked about Marcus Wren, um, obviously, a little bit earlier. I would love to hear more about Cron 8 and Tyla Sola. But, yeah, actually, he brings up a really good point on the, the out-of-character basis for SRL kind of possibly being a actual user base game in, that was noticed and then developed by Bungie as a a game variant. Um I kind of think there might be something I think he might be onto something with that. You oh, guys. no, actually my my clan had a member who lives in the Seattle area and he was actually an alpha. He was a play tester mm-hmm. at Bungie and he said Sparrow Racing was was a was a game variant in in alpha testing. Oh, okay. What, so, so he said that it was an alpha. So supposedly yeah, yeah, it was, was in there before. It was in there before the game ever reached the public. Cool. So, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that if you've, if you've gotten on a Sparrow in game, you kind of are like, how is there not a racing thing <laughs> in there? So, yeah. Um, you guys got anything else or are we ready to, Move to move to shout outs. No, I think we're good. We're good. Mel, you got any closing closing thoughts? Nope. Nope. All right. Nope. Nope. Well, well, I want to ask. Okay, so we're gonna we're not gonna be back with everyone until not this Friday, but next Friday. Right? Ooh. So it'll be the thirtieth. So that gives you guys a long Ooh. time to put together some emails for us. And the email topic is going to be the house of devils. And yes, that includes the devil splicers. So So good. I want to hear everyone's thoughts, theories, um, questions, you know, what you're, whatever you want on the house of devils. And I think we have enough time to get some good ones in there. Um, Other than that, I just really want to wish a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever whatever is your uh, your preferred greeting for this season um, to everyone. Hope you guys have a great time with family or with friends, whoever you get to spend it with, and that you don't have to work too hard for it. If you are working, we really appreciate it because it just makes it that much more enjoyable for everyone. And, of course, you know, you have my sympathies and my gratitude for that. But yeah, that's that's it. Happy holidays. We'll see you on the 30th. And then I'm thinking we're going to do a Guardians Against Humanity this month. I'm thinking it's going to be 
more drunk than usual. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling that there might be some yelling around midnight-ish. You hey, think? think about it, Mel. If the if the package that, that Uni sent us is Xboxes, you could play with us. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, why would he send you an Xbox? I don't know, because he knows I like excess. <laughs> Well, I don't even know. I don't even know what size package to be expecting. Uh, so it's it's not. about the size of my abs. I'm holding it over my abs right Which now. Which is we're not going to continue this. Just in case you Just don't do your really shout know, outs. Do your my, shout my outs, Justin. Box like. Can you what? give it to me in inches? Oh God, no! Okay. no. I will take centimeters as an optional about, answer. Can we? Can we? Can we do this? Oh God! Oh my I'm God! Very- God. <laughs> Look at you, just made Justin. me do. I cussed. I Justin. cussed. Justin, okay, shout so outs. my shout-outs. <laughs> Shout-out to my abs. You oh know. Um, no, oh, I did God. not just shout-out my abs. Um, so, big shout-out to my boys, DOD, Shadow White Crew admin team, for finally helping me finish the raid. It wasn't so much a reflection on them as it was on me that it's just now being done. Um and then a very, very Merry Christmas to all our listeners out there, all our live chat guests and uh, chat members. And as Mo- as Hurt would say, Happy Moose Day. So, um, yeah, and uh, a big thank, a big thank you to Uni, Hurt, uh, I'm sorry, Uni, Pins, and all the mods for sending this gift that I can't open until Mel gets hers. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Which coincidentally happens to be exactly the same size as my abs. Um, so, Which apparently is the same size as an Xbox. Oh my god. It's, Just stop. Just it's, stop. It's, yeah, no, it's an MP3 player. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're making Are we it. talking about... I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm not, no! It's the exact same size no. as the PS Vita. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Always a shout out to awesome Lou and Justin for having me still here. I don't I don't know why they still have me, but I'm still here. So um, thank you, and everyone on the chat, thank you so much. Um, and I uh, uh, present chance, thank you for present chance. I don't have yet, so I guess mythical present chance. Thank you, <laughs> uh, thank you, Uni. So, but. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, Yuletide, lots of different things. So um, regardless of what you decide to do over the holiday um, time, I hope you have a great holiday. And we'll see you on the, uh, was it 30th, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, 30th. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll leave leave you guys with a bit of wisdom as well before we do our, our final outro is... Sparrows burn, ships crash. The wise hunter knows machines will fail and makes ready to walk. So Ooh. keep keep Hunter Masterclass. <laughs> so with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. 
Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Please be sure to also check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. Shine bright.